The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. A woman went to see her minister because she was worried about some things. So the minister took time and encouraged the woman and finally prayed for her. Let's make her an elderly woman. Uh, there's an elderly woman here. I can't win. Let me just continue. So the, so, so the minister prayed for the woman and the woman left. And as the woman was going home, she felt so joyful because all the worry was gone. She was happy. And after two days, after two days, she got concerned and went back to the minister. And the minister said, what's the trouble? He said, she's worried. About what? She's worried that now she doesn't feel any worry anymore. Right. The point is that worry is something that we are all faced with. From ourselves, our hair, sometimes it's our teeth. Sometimes the worry is, is about things that others cannot even see. You bought a nice vest and the label was turned the other way around. It's not like all the other labels on your vests. So you're worried about that. Sometimes we're worried about the fact that our legs are not straight and the fact the way we talk, we wish we could talk like the other person. We wish our home was like this. You wish you could change your car, everyone. I'm, we we work from ourselves to the things around us to this friend. I wish this friend was a bit taller than she is. I wish my husband was a bit shorter. I wish all kinds of, because he's always giving me a knock on the head. No, 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 no really. Uh, uh, we, and, and, we, and we worry about the neighborhood. I don't like the neighborhood. And, and we worry so much. That when there is nothing to worry about, we worry because there's nothing to worry about. Sometimes people feel a bit scared when there's nothing to worry about. They think something bad because, because there's no worry, then there may be something really bad is going to happen. God have mercy. But on a more serious note, once you begin to live, once we begin to live, there is something that we naturally get into, and it's called desire. We begin to have desires. It, there's no living being who hasn't got desire. And our desires become one of the things that troubles us a lot. And especially when those desires are not being fulfilled, the the, the time we want them to be fulfilled. We get worried about them. Sometimes they may be for, fulfilled, but then we get worried about them. Like a student going to school, and the parents have said, you, you must get a nine, or you must get an A. And they begin to worry. They worry from day one, or they themselves are told, like um, 
as someone who was told, well, before we can give you this promotion, you must get this certificate. And the person begin to worry. Even though they are studying, they begin to worry that what if they don't get it at the end of their course? You've not even completed. You are still doing it. Yeah, but I'm putting it in my best. But what if I don't get it? What is it? So we get ourselves into those kind of things. But this morning, I've come to tell you that you can live without worrying. But it all depends on where you fix your mind. I'll say it again. You can live without worrying. But it all depends on where you choose to fix your mind. Father, we thank you. For the entrance of your word, give it light. May light and understanding and encouragement and hope come as we look into your word. Blessed be your name. Amen. This morning we would like to fix our mind on the promise of God in Isaiah chapter 26, please. This happened to be one of my favorite texts in the scriptures. And I can't wait to share this as it's been something that has had to had had to just sit down for some time because we have so many programs going on in church services, so I had to put it on hold. But today I'm delighted to be sharing from this. And I know that I won't be able to, to say all I would like to say about the mind, but at least I will start from today. And someday later we will pick up Romans chapter 12 and we will deal with the mind properly. Hallelujah. But let's look at the text, verse 3. Verse 3, Roman, Isaiah 26, verse 3, and, and it reads, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusted in thee. Hallelujah. Because he trusted in thee. You know, so what we see in our text is this. That, yes, you can live without worries, but it depends on where you choose to fix your mind. Praise God. So, one of the things that the text makes us understand, one of the things that the, the, the text brings out here, sorry, a couple of things that the text brings out here is the idea of the mind. Then he also talk, talks about peace, the mind. When we talk about the mind, understand, we are not talking about the brain. The brain is different from the mind. Can you please show me your brain? Point to your brain, please. Just point to your brain. Okay? Point to your brain. Okay. Point to your mind. Oh, punch. Okay. Some are saying no. Some are saying here. Whoa. Okay. It is, it is very easy to, to point to the brain. But to point to the mind is challenging. Because the mind is not the same as the brain. And the mind is not a physical object. It's, it's not a physical organ like the mind. The mind is seated, sorry, the brain is seated in the head. Right? Around the gray matter. This is where we have the neurons and the nerve endings. We have all the electrical signals that passes through. You know, so, so, sometimes certain things rush to your body and you go, ooh, hey, electrical signals. Electricity in our bodies, yes. So we have all that, but the mind is not that. The mind is your state or is our state of consciousness. Basically, when we're talking about our mind, we are talking about our thoughts or thinking talking about our memories, 
talking about our feelings, talking about our beliefs. Hello. So the mind is a different thing altogether. And it's, it's your state of consciousness, thoughts, feelings, memories, beliefs, all those things, and also imaginations. Imagination. I mean, and imagination we all have. The most poorest person is a person without imagination. Someone who can't imagine. The reason I'm saying that is when, we, when, we, when, we, when we're growing up as children, we had imaginations. But as we were growing up, we thought, you know what? I found all these, all these imaginations, but they're not being fulfilled, so we throw them away. No, go back and pick them. Because your imaginations are valuable. You need them. Praise God. Well, let me say this, because I'm already here. Our minds... Okay, let's backtrack. You know, you notice in Genesis, God made man, and the Bible says that afterwards, after God made man from the clay of the, the, from the dust of the earth, lying there as a lifeless clay, God came and, and God breathed into man. And man became a living soul. Now, in the soul, we have the mind, your will, and your feelings, right? So the mind is something that God gave to man. The mind is something God breathed in. So the mind is not physical. You can't touch it. But <laughs> it's the same mind... From which, when your brain is working, things are moving from here to there to there, it gets connected, it gets into the mind, right? So, the mind is very critical in everybody's life. The mind is the one thing that stands between the unseen and the seen. So, the mind is that bridge between God and the earth. So the mind is critical. When I talk about the mind, I've already mentioned, I'm referring to your imagination, your memories, your beliefs, your dreams, your feelings, all those things in the, in the mind. So the, the, the things you imagine, do not take them for granted. Because sometimes what we call, oh, useless dreams, or oh, um, just, I'm just having... An afternoon of just dreaming of, of nothing. No! They are, most of the time, God's instruction to you. And you've got to take them seriously. You're doing many things that you don't enjoy physically, but you enjoy your imaginations. It's telling you something. It's telling you something. Begin to bring those, imag those imaginations, start working on them. Let, let, let them become your reality. Things that you begin to work on, to see. Because the things you're doing, you're not enjoying them. But you're enjoying your imagination. That means there's something else that you're meant to be doing. It all has to do with your purpose. And God ties everything in nicely like that. Hello. Our eyes see things. Gets into the mind. And then we change our behavior. In the same way, God speaks things to us. Our mind gets it. And we change our behavior. The mind is critical. The mind is critical. So where we, we choose to fix the mind, we determine how whether we will live a life of worry or a life of peace. God is good. Amen. Worry. Worry as a verb. Well, that's worrying. Worrying as a verb. Worrying is making your entertaining thoughts that are unpleasant to you. Or some situation you don't, you didn't really like, it has happened, or some problem that is around you, allowing thoughts about that thing to continually repeat in your mind. 
Allowing that thing to play on. When you're doing that, you are worrying. It's an unpleasant circumstance, situation, word, something that has happened, occurred to you in some way or form, and you are repeatedly allowing that thing to run through, through your mind. And guess what? As we allow it to go through our mind, certain emotions are generated. Angry, sad, confused, which is a curse. And when we have these thoughts, it begins to control because why? It's got a hold of the mind. It's now the thing that the mind is focusing on. And sometimes, too, as we go, as we allow these things to repeat in our mind, sometimes it brings a, a sense of worthlessness. Because maybe what happened made you feel worthless and rolling in our minds over and over and over. Have you recognized that something happened two years ago? You start talking to someone about it, and all of a sudden, anger is boiling in your heart. Or sadness comes. Or you feel the same worthless thing that should tell you you are not actually thinking, you are actually worrying. What you're doing is worrying. God have mercy and help us out of this. Praise God. So, why is Isaiah telling us this in Isaiah 26, verse 3? That thou will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on thee. Why is he telling us this? <clears throat> Here's the background. When we go to the book of 2 Kings, especially from chapter 14 to 20, there is something you would notice. And sometimes it might be a bit mind, very challenging to, to the mind if you, don't, if you don't understand what's happening there. The chronicler or the writer talks about the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah at the same time. And sometimes you don't, so it, it, it makes you wonder, what's, what's happening in this, in, this, in, in this text? But all he's doing is he's comparing the kings of Israel with the kings of Judah. So when you get there, don't get messed up. Just understand that's what he's doing. And as you read, you recognize that all the kings of Israel were wicked kings. So God kept warning, 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 and punishing them. But Judah had good kings, where David came from. So Judah had good kings. But, but of course, our popular, our, 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 um, our, king, our king Ahab come, uh, came from the land of Judah, who was an evil king. But we had good kings like Hezekiah. From Judah. And Judah did some great, great things. But a time came in Hezekiah's life. I don't know what happened. But he began to fear. He was so strong. Stood against all the enemies of Israel. Told them he would not bow. And he didn't bow. And God delivered him. But then the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, began to threaten him again. That if you don't submit to me and all that. And what I will do to your nation. And for some reason, Hezekiah yielded. And I'm sure the reason probably is we are all aware of some of these things that, 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 that sometimes you are strong in the faith. A time comes in your life where you are weak and you're given to, to certain things. Hezekiah found himself in that place. And so what did he do? To pacify or to, to, to satisfy Sennacherib, he took every precious metal, silver and gold, in the temple. Some of them, he even scraped them from the walls and Send all to Sennacherib. Thinking Sennacherib would have been okay with that. But guess what? He wanted more. He wanted to destroy them. And giving him all those, they didn't satisfy him. So, you see, so when the enemy comes, be careful of what you give him. Don't give him anything. Because to give him one, he would want two. 
So the nation was at the very was 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 at their lowest ebb. And it was at that time that the promises of God came through the prophet Isaiah to the people. Hallelujah. Thank God for his goodness and thank God for his people, for his prophets. Praise God. So the among the promises that came unto them is this is what we see here in chapter 26, verse 3, which really is a song from chapter 25. Why a song? Isaiah is prophesying. All of a sudden, chapter 25 and chapter 26 becomes a song. Why a song? A song, the sense is this. When God turns his attention to the weak and to the helpless to help them, it is appropriate for them to sing. Hallelujah. Because when God promises you, when you are in a weak position and God tells you, I am on your side, it is time for jubilation. It's time for celebration. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are, but if you're in any of these states, when God's word of encouragement comes to you, it is time to rise up and to rejoice and be glad in him. Stand up jumping and dancing. You are my portion. You are my lot. You are my everything, oh God. You've given me everything that I need. You've all that I've got. Let us fill your heart and be joyful. For God is good. Praise God. You see, so here, if you go to the verse 1 of the chapter 26, it says something like this. It says that, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation would God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates. That means, you know, God will cause salvation to become our very walls. That is, the walls around us shall be called salvation. Glory be to God. When you go down to the verses. So, so, so basically, God appoints salvation. And then in the verse 2, he says, Open ye the gate, that a righteous nation that keepeth truth may enter. And then he says, God, thou will keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Verse 4, trust ye in, in the Lord. So the theme here is actually to trust God. Trust in the Lord. That, that's the theme here, to trust as you continue, you see in the verses 8 to verse 13, he says, do you know what? In life, there is waiting. In verses 16 to 18, he says, there are sufferings and failures. And then from verse 19, he says, there is even death. So in life, there is waiting. In life, there is suffering. There is failures. And there is also death. But in all this, one thing runs through Chapter 26, which is trust. So while there's waiting, suffering, failures, you've, you've seen some failures, you've experienced some deaths around you, still do what? Trust God. Hallelujah. Still trust God. Amen. Still trust God. Still trust God. There is a psalm that puts all this together very beautifully. It's in Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. I love this psalm. I'll come back to the Isaiah 26, so please don't close, don't close it. But just, just, just come with me to Psalm, psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. Psalm 112, 7 and 8. Okay, 7 says, this is what he's saying here, all that we said so, so far. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. So there are two things here. There verse 7, please. He says, Okay, there verse 7, please. He says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is 
fixed. Fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Then in the verse 8, 8 18, sorry, in the verse 8, it says, it says, the heart is established. This seems to sum up what we're talking about today. Fixing of the heart. And the heart and the mind are used interchangeably in Scripture. One of these days we will look into it. So don't worry too much about it. But the point here is this. That there is a fixing of the heart. And the establishment of the heart. As we trust God. Amen. And this is so beautiful. So... What we are saying this morning is this. You can live without worries. That's our first statement. Why are we saying that? We are saying you can live without worries because God promises perfect peace. Hallelujah. God promises perfect peace. So you can live without worry. What does that mean? Isaiah 26, please. Verse 3. Thou will keep in perfect peace. He says that God will keep. The word keep there means, you know, to preserve. The word keep there means to hold something for somebody. Let me, let me explain. Let, let's say we're having, a fun, we're having some ceremony here and um, we're finished. And there is some... Refreshment to be had. And we've all gone there, you know, helping ourselves with our refreshments. And then some of us, by virtue of our work in the house, we are still here probably packing microphones, cameras, and stuff. So we are not there. And then whoever is in charge keeps your part aside. That when you come, oh, we kept this for you. That's what the word keep there means. God, thou will keep in perfect peace. That means God reserves or God preserves. God puts aside. God makes sure that no one touches the perfect peace he gives to his people. Hello? So God preserves, keeps. He holds something for his people called perfect Peace. Amen. Perfect peace. Now, I'm not busting your bubble, but I need to tell you that the word perfect is not there. It was, it's not really part of the original text. It was implied. The word perfect is not there. But it means something better. The word is not perfect peace, but actually peace, peace. The Jews normally say, shalom, shalom. They repeat it for emphasis, indicating surely. So basically, God keeps double peace for you. That's what the, word, that's what the phrase perfect peace means. means double peace. Double peace means a peace that is bulletproof. Someone didn't get me. You know when we say something is bulletproof? That means nothing can penetrate it. It is impenetrable. Nothing can disturb it. That is a kind of peace that God reserves for his people. It's called double peace. Shalom, shalom. Double peace. Double peace. When you are concerned about stuff, God is saying, oh, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I am holding double peace for you. And what is peace? Talking about peace, we are talking about safety, You know, let me give this picture for peace. So, so we get it. You know when you owe people, 
you owe someone, let's say money, you owe someone money, and the time, and the time to pay is not due. How do you feel around the person? Free, yeah? But what if the time to pay has come and passed 60 days? And you still haven't paid. How do you feel around that person? Very uncomfortable. And if you happen to meet them, see them first, before they see you, what do you do? You hide. Before they see you. But the day you get the money to go and pay them full amount, I mean with the pence as well, 69 pounds, 33 pence, dot, 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 two, something. You get the money in your hands and you walk confidently. And you knock the door. What do you want? Oh, I've come to give you, what, what do you mean, what, 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 do I, what do I want? You speak confidently. Why? Because you've got his money. Say, can you please get your money? Oh, my money. Yes, your money. Take it. I've paid, haven't I? Yes, you have. Good. And then you walk away. And when you walk away, after paying that person, when you see him next time in the market, how do you walk? No sense of fear, no sense of trepidation, no sense of, I don't owe you anything, I'm cool. That is peace. That's a picture of peace God is talking about here. It's a, a sense of completeness, fullness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. Safety. You see, so, nothing missing from the pot. Everything is perfect. It's a perfect soup. Praise God. You know that kind of soup you drink and you go, whoo. That's divine. You know? That's what it is. Peace. So we can paraphrase this verse like this. Thou will keep in Perfect safety. Or thou will keep safe, safe. In safety, safe, if there's a word like that. Thou will keep in safety, safe. The one whose mind is stayed on thee. So that is what God promises. God gives, he gives double peace. So that there's nothing troubling you. Now, what we see here in Isaiah 26, verse 3, compared to what Israel was going for, oh, sorry, compared to what Judah was experiencing, or what we normally experience. Maybe you owe somebody, you've got this challenge here, you've got something troubling you, you're not happy about the way your face looks, your face has gone so dark. Or maybe you see some dark patches come on your face. Or maybe your body, some black spots have begun, have spread all over your back. Nobody can see it, but it, it troubles you. My question is, if nobody sees it, and it's just you, why are you worried about it? But hey, I can't question why you're worried. Because different things trouble different people. Hello. So there's certain things that trouble all of us. But what God offers here. It's not that I will take these things away. God says, I will, thou will keep in double peace the person whose mind is stayed on you. The peace that God is talking about here is not that the problem will necessarily go away. God offers a peace within, inside of you. And wholeness on the inside. A sense of safety inside you. If, 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 you, if you've been living from week to week, day to day, to day, to day having a sense of inside you, something wrong is going to happen, something bad might happen, I'm speaking to you this morning. That God has safety. God wants to fix that thing in your life. God is saying, I want to remove that from you completely. 
I want to give you that sense of safety within. Wholeness. Complete within. Where you are not bothered, worried about nothing. Hallelujah. Where you can boldly tell the, the world, world, no matter what you do, I don't do worry. I do peace. Because you see, the world, the world thrives, although they say, oh, we will take you to this hotel, absolute peace, you have peace, two weeks of peace, come here. Actually, the world thrives on worry. It thrives on fear and worry. You are worried that this thing may happen, so come and get this, it will cover you. Come and get that. And by the time you realize, you've got so many covers, now those covers are now drowning you. Did you get my drift? Okay, all right, let me continue. God is merciful. Peace. Now, there's something I want to notice in this text. Let's look at it critically, the verse 3. Thou wilt keep in perfect peace. Whose mind... Is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Trusted in thee. I want to say here this that the stayed mind, hello? Or what? As a, yeah, the stayed mind. It's a result of trusting. Hello. The stayed mind, the stayed mind, okay. The stayed mind is a mind that is fixed. We're reading Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. My heart is fixed. Meaning it's not moving, it's not jumping from here. Today, you are in this mind. Fine. Tomorrow, you are troubled by something. The next day, something else. The heart is not fixed. The mind, the mind is not fixed. It's troubled by many things. Things are just bombarding you from left and right. Trouble. It's not a fixed mind. It's not an established mind. So here, Isaiah is saying, you will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in you. Now, the mind that will be fixed, the mind that will not be moved, the mind that will be stable at rest, that's a very, that's a good word, rest. A mind that is at rest, a mind that is not being thrown about, every jumping about, that your body is there, but actually inside you, you are distraught. Ever been there before? Oh, come on. Ever been there before? My two hands are up. Where physically, you are standing here, talking with friends, but inside you, you are shattered, broken, disturbed. And when you give a smile, it's plastic. It goes like that. <laughs> but inside you, you are dying. You don't, you don't, nothing seems to be connecting together. God is saying, I have peace for you. God is saying, I have double peace for you. That you will be settled on the inside. There are many young people today who are worried and troubled. With all the nice, you know, girly hairstyles. And with all the, you know, nice haircuts that the men, the guys, the boys would do. With all those nice haircuts they would do. And with the nice phones they have and all that they would show with their friends and the way they would talk inside them. It's trouble. Many. If you are like that, I'm talking to you this morning. Troubled on the inside. 
trouble because you don't understand what is being done in the school. Some children go to the classroom and it's their worst nightmare. Don't understand a thing that's being done in the classroom. Among your friends, they like you, but you don't feel adequate. You don't, you don't feel like you are okay. And you're always trying to do certain things to please them. God have mercy. But God is saying, I have double peace for you. Praise God. But he says, verse 26, uh, verse 3. I want to point something out to, to you here. He says, you will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted in you. I want to say that it is the mind that is stayed. Actually, let me say this. He says, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Actually, the thing is, that will, keep in that will keep in double peace, mind stayed on thee. The whose, if you have the King James, you see it's, it's in the italics. That means it wasn't there, it was supplied. So basically it, it, it is saying, mind stayed on thee. A mind, it doesn't matter who you are. Your height, your size, your gender, your color doesn't come in here at all. Any mind stayed on God enjoys the double peace that God gives. And watch this. It is the mind that is stayed. It is the mind that is fixed. That enjoys a double peace. But the mind that is stayed comes from somewhere else. It comes from something else. It's in the same verse. Because he trusted in thee. Let's put it this way. It is the mind that is stayed, not stayed on God, the mind that is stayed, that enjoys a double peace. But the stayed mind, mind comes from trusting in God. So what he's saying is this. As you trust in God, your mind becomes fixed. Your mind becomes stayed. Your mind becomes established. Your mind comes into a place of rest and you enjoy the double peace that God has in store for his people. That is why you can say, even though I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Come rain, come high waters, I will stand. And it's not just a statement, but a reality. Because on the inside of you, you are in safety. Praise God. Trust. What do you trust? Trust God. Trust God's love. Hello? You trust in God's love. Trust in God's faithfulness. Trust in God's goodness. Trust in God's kindness. Trust in God's forgiveness. Basically, all the attributes of God, put your trust in it. Trust it. God loves me. God's love is unconditional. He loves me. God is faithful. God is kind. <laughs> Some... A little boy thought, he, he, when he was growing up, thought his father was God. Later on, the father got to hear, he said, I wish I was God. Because he didn't like the, the son. He said, I wish I was God. I would have deleted him from the face of the earth a long time ago. I'm, and, I'm said, and I said, I'm glad you, you know God. So he couldn't do it. God is good. Hallelujah. So put your trust in now, let me explain what I mean by trust here, because I think it will, it, will help. it will be helpful here. Trust. What is trust? Trust means to 
depend on something. But let me give you a picture. Trust means to depend on something. Imagine yourself on the sea in a little powered boat. And some storm just, you are alone on the sea, big, big sea, imagine. And this, some storm happens on a sea and your boat is shattered. And guess what? You've had no lessons. You missed your, your year three, four, and five swimming lessons. So you don't have any swimming skills. Right? So your only way of surviving is dying in the sea. That's the only way you, you survive. But then you happen to latch onto some raft. Right? That was just at, at the back of the boat, some raft. And you held onto it. And as you head onto this raft, you find yourself floating and it's just moving. And you're just and it's just pushing you somewhere. And you're directing it, trying to see if you can get to shore. And anytime your hands feel a bit weak, you find yourself sinking. But when you hold on it tightly, you come up again. So you it happened about three times, and you realize, ooh, it looks like I need to hold on to this very tightly. So you hold on to it tightly. And as you hold on it tightly, the raft is helping you come to the seashore in safety. That holding on to that thing, that's, that raft that's bringing you to the safety, is the trust. It's the image of trust. When you hold on to it, because your life depends on it. It's like some people, or what the world wants us to do, they want us to see our jobs as that which holds our lives. So they say to you, if you don't clock in by 5 a.m., you're going home. We will move heaven and earth to make sure 5, we are clocking in at that place. They tell you, be here for this time if you're not. And then we, it becomes like, or oh, 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 maybe you hold on to someone as if, if that person goes away, your life is shattered. My question to that kind of scenario is that, why would you want to hold on to something that you are even more secure than it? You are more permanent than the thing you are holding on to. Why would you want to hold on to something like that? I think it would be wise to be holding on to something that is more secure than you, isn't it? And God is more secure than anything else. So God is saying, my love is unfailing. My forgiveness is unfailing. I say to you, if your sins are as scarlet red, I will forgive it. Try me. Say, no, I have committed the most horrendous sin you can ever think, think of. God is saying, I can forgive you. Say, God, I am unlovable. God says, my love is for the unlovable. He said, God, but I have done it over and over and over and over, and over again. The same thing against you. He said, I've done this, this sin about a hundred times. God says, I'm faithful. Faithful means I remain the same. I don't change. Say, Wow. God is saying, hold on to my faithfulness like that. Hold on to my love like that. Firmly hold on to it. But the question you're going to, I'm, I'm sure you're asking me right now in your, in your head is, but God is not a raft. How do I hold on to God? I'm glad you asked that question. Yes, God is not physical. God isn't physical. So how do we connect with God? That was why I began explaining what the mind does. And the mind is a bridge between God and the earth. And the mind is in, is in us. The mind is the only thing. And the mind, imagination. We're talking about your mind, we're talking about your, your imagination, your thoughts. So how do you hold on to God? How do you trust God? You trust God by having an imagination of his faithfulness, always being faithful towards you, having your imagination or in your thoughts, goes on breaking love for you. God being on 
your side. That is holding on to God. That means in your imagination, have this thing fixed that God loves me no matter what. Stand in the mirror looking at your very self and tell yourself and say, God loves What I mean is minister to yourself. That no matter how low I get, God is faithful to you. Speak to yourself like that. The Bible says David encouraged himself when others were thinking of stoning him. Let's come to the place where we're able to encourage ourselves and it will work only when we are able to trust God. Let your imagination. It's not a strange thing I'm telling you. That is what maybe we'll be missing out. That our minds play a greater, a great role in our worship with God. Your thoughts, your imagination. As you lie down on your bed, let his thoughts or imagination or belief have those memories. Memories of time when God did something wonderful for you and you thought, whoa, I'm so special before God. Yes, those memories, keep living them. Keep replaying them in your mind. That is holding onto that raft. That is trusting him. So as you keep your trust on God's love, that God loves me, no matter what. And there's something about love. Once love bites you, it's challenging to turn away from it. Have you realized that those who love you, it's very difficult, even when you hurt them, it's very difficult for you, the individual? Yeah. That's why love, love must be preached from this book. I tell you, love is more powerful than fear. Fear only lasts for a few moments and, it, and, it, and it's off. When we preach fear, God, fear, God is terrible. God will judge you. God will punish you. People can only fear for a short time. But when you encounter the love of God, it's eternity. When God's love touches your soul, you realize that you are captivated. I love that song which we sing here. I'm captured by your love. I'm captivated by your love. How does it go? We sing a song here that says that we are that that his love has we are we are captured, we are captives of his love. Yes, we are captives of God's love. He's caught us in his net, and we willingly cannot and we willingly and consciously and deliberately cannot, cannot escape because we won't go. Hallelujah. Amen. A friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, I love her so much. We grew, we grew together in the same area, going to the same church. One day, it's a very sensitive thing I'm saying here, but one day, a pastor told her, you, I don't want you here anymore. Go from, go, 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 go from this church. I said, me, I'm not going. I'm staying in this church. You'll be, you'll be my pastor, and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> if you're a pastor, and someone tells you that, what would you say? There's nothing he could say. He said, you, you will always be my pastor, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. So the conversation was over. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That, hey, God, you've captured our hearts with your love. And this love is more than the love, than the love of a man or a woman. So strong, so powerful. We can't go. That's what the Bible says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So what I'm saying, if you don't feel the same way, my challenge to you is this. Taste. Taste. Get a sting, like a bee sting, stinging you of God's love. And you will notice you can't go. 
It's so infectious. It stings you and you realize, you know what? I can't run anymore. I'm captured by your love. Captured by his love. Hallelujah. His faithfulness. So what I mean is, as you set your imagination on God's love for you, on God's faithfulness towards you, on God's goodwill towards you, that, that you know what? God has said to me, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. But to give you an expected end. He said, you know what? God's thoughts concerning me are peace and good. And you fix your imagination on this. Hallelujah. As you are doing that, it is called trusting God. That is trusting God. Praise God. And as you do that, what happens is the mind finds itself at home. Because God created the mind to be resting and feeding of him. So when the mind finds itself resting and hanging, holding on to God, the mind automatically and size and rests and is fixed. And when it gets into that state, you enjoy God's double peace. And you feel on your inside that you are home. You are rested. But unfortunately, oftentimes, we are tricked by the world. Oh yeah, we are tricked by the world. Why do I say trick? If it's not trick, why doesn't it sometimes come so straight and tells you I'm coming to tempt you? But it comes conniving and conniving. It comes in some tricky way. And by the time you realize you are caught in something and your mind is now being bombarded by something and you realize that your mind is running through something He's feeding on some unpleasant circumstance and he's playing, playing, and you, you feel sad, you feel depressed, you feel worthless, you feel bad, and you want to, you, you wish the earth could open and you just go and you just die. But hey, stop right there. Change the position. Turn the mind to trust in God's love, God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's goodwill. God's mercies, God's kindness, God's welcoming nature. Turn the mind onto Him and let it let the imagination be fixed on that. Trust in God, and the mind will find itself at home and it will rest, it will become fixed. Troubled by anything, turn it into trust in God and enjoy the peace of God. Your lifetime. Hallelujah. Your mirrors. Day after day. 
Stronger, let's sing a little bit stronger. the anxiety, the confusion, the disturbance, the double-mindedness that you're experiencing. But the ultimate of all these peace is peace with God. If you are lacking peace between you and God, there will be no confidence even to approach him. This afternoon, if you don't have this peace with God, there's no peace between you and God. This is your opportunity. You want to call him and say, Lord, I know my ways do not please you. But this afternoon, I've heard your word. I want to enjoy peace with you, God, so that I can walk in this double peace that you gave. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, Lord. Put your spirit within me. Take away the stony heart and put in me a heart of flesh that I may serve you. Talk to him. Pray this prayer if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you know him already and you're here in, in this house, maybe you've been troubled by so many things. You want to pray and say, Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your truth. Begin to thank him and begin to let your mind, even right now, begin to let your mind rest upon God's love, his faithfulness, his mercy. As the choir continues to sing the song, let your, you know, let, let your mind just run. Let your mind stay. Begin trusting him from right from here. Don't wait to some time to start trusting God. Let your, you can do it right from here. Let your mind rest upon God's love, His faithfulness, His goodwill towards you, His mercies, His kindness, His gentleness, His patience towards you, His love. Let it rest upon and say, God, I'm so thankful that you love me, that you are kind towards me, you are faithful towards me. You show me long suffering. You are faithful. You are so good to me. I thank you and I bless you. Thank you. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. <laughs> 